As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello everyone, welcome to the 49th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Michael Bailey, The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent, and I hope this finds you safe and well on the way. Mario, Hanley and loungers. Uh, and we will do it all with our guests today. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers on Twitter, otherwise known as our own Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. And our own, everyone's our own, Scottish maestro, commentator and journalist, Stuart Hodge. Hello there, troops. It's been a wee while, so good to be back. It has been. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. How are we? First off, well, Stuart, I'll ask you, how are you? How are you doing? I'm very well. Like anyone that follows me on Twitter will have seen I'm back to my favourite thing, which is commentating football matches um, recently, which is good. Steve, how are you? Yeah, yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, excited to be talking about I'm not sure I've had more than two wins to talk about since we started doing these <laughs> and now we've got oh. two to talk about I know it's just not just matches obviously but we've got two to talk about oh. in one podcast three in a week I'm, I'm losing track three of all the points it's remarkable scenes but there we go I tell you what shall we crack on with this week's headline act I think it's time we uh, give some love to Mario Vrancic. I mean, everyone else has. Um, but just in the last week, we've had two injury time winners. On Saturday, it was an absolute peach to break Wickham Hearts right in front of our eyes with his free kick. Steve, you could argue at the moment, Mario Vrancic is as, as important a player that Daniel Farker can call on. What a man. What a man he is proved to be. Not just this week, obviously. We, we, we know what he's capable of. But yeah, no, he's, I, been, he's been an awesome man for lots of years. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. I love Mario. I, know, I also love the, the nonchalant kind of arms by the sides, palms raised into the air celebration. Like, well, what did you expect I was going to do with that free kick? <laughs> you know, that, that's just <laughs> what I do. But no, I, I, I think you're right. He plays such an important role, especially in games like the ones that we had this week where it's all about breaking your opponents down. Um, they kind of, they put this low block in place because they know they don't want Norwich City to get in behind. So how do we beat them? We bring Mario on and he creates a moment of magic. I think... That, that might be the role for him. The super sub thing might be the way that we, we use him this season and I'm all for that. I mean, he got asked that after the game, Stu, and his, uh, his eyes kind um, of... Well, 
rolled a little bit. I was going to say, which journalist braved that question? Because there's a couple of things that all football players hate. Like, they hate getting called a utility player. Because, like, basically you're sort of saying, oh, yeah, well, you don't have a position. And they're like, well, no, actually, I'm this. So they hate that. And they also hate when, like, the super sub role, because you're basically subordinating them from the start. So it's not in their best interest to agree with that. So was it you that asked it, or was it another journalist? Well, I probably would have done, but I think think Chris Gorham tends to lead with the radio interviews. But what I would add in that point is, I mean, I remember speaking to Mario two years ago and constantly saying, well, you know, he'd probably like to get a start, wouldn't you? And he just had to keep saying this line of, like, you just use the minutes you're given, which he's, he's had to say that line to me probably about 20 times. Yeah, that's, that's the nature of the thing. The one thing I would ask, though, is, is Mario Vrancic as good a player when he starts for Norwich City? I think, uh, I mean, he, in terms of his mobility, I think that's the thing that tends to get um, brought up. I mean, I don't think physically... He's a slouch. I think, he, although he's quite lean, I think he, he can sort of hold his own and throw in a tackle. So I don't really see him in that issue. But but he's not necessarily the quickest, and that's probably been the issue. And actually, you bring that up. So um, we're recording this on Monday, so I'm hoping by Tuesday morning my interview with Tim Krull would have gone live. So you can all uh, read that because it's great, <laughs> which I would say. Um, but in that, I was going through some of his, um, some of his best saves with him. And uh, he brought up the Bristol City game away from home. Norwich drew 2-2. They played quite well. Bristol City were very good. But some of the early attacks, and I think one of the saves that Tim had to pull off came from Mario kind of losing the ball in midfield and just being taken around. And it was obviously a start because it was early in the game. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I, it's it's just that element. But I mean, I've spoken to people and they say he, even at the moment with all the talent Norwich have got, he is the most technically gifted player in that squad and by a distance, which I think says it all really. Yeah, I think that, I think that's probably true. I mean, uh, he's, um, I mean, I, I think his his work on the ball, he's absolutely outstanding. I, and, and like you say, Michael, he can put in a tackle. I don't know how many it was in the Leeds away game in the championship, but it was something like eight. And I don't think that's been surpassed ever since. So he is well capable. I just wonder if it's the perhaps the, the lack of protection in, in terms of being that mobile player that, that precludes him from getting a start in the, the two. And then possibly the lack of ability to press, which I think is a really important part of our game this season, which stops him from being that, that number 10 kind of pivot role. Um, so he's, he's got all the talent. It's, it's just whether he can be that player that Farker wants him to be for 90 minutes. I'm glad you brought that up, Steve, because in terms of um, Mario's position, Stu, it's something that Daniel Farker actually brought up at the start of the season that I noticed, which is he, he doesn't really want to consider Mario in the two. He wants him to be further up. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because he's got slightly older and slightly slower. I don't know. But Daniel is quite keen, obviously, to have him higher up the pitch and in that he probably wants a more dynamic attack. So that almost does yeah. roll out where he can start in the team, to be honest. Well, it does. And it's an interesting one for me because when I look at Mario Prancic, I think that in terms of his effect in the general game set, pieces aside, he's at his best when he's a bit deeper, picking passes, threading them through, using his vision and his technique. Um, so if you're then saying that you have to play higher up the pitch, in a way, it's kind of compromising some of his best abilities. Not trying to claim that I know more about tactics than Daniel Farker and his backroom staff, by the way. But I just think it's quite interesting that that's the way the gaffer sees it because I think Mario Vranjic, I get the argument. The, the one thing that we heard throughout the summer was that we need more legs in midfield. And I think if you look at the Premier League campaign last year, that's readily apparent. So you can see why. Daniel Farker would see it like that from that perspective. But when I look at Vrancic's effect on the overall game, other than the set pieces, 
then I think that he can maybe showcase more of his abilities in a deeper role. So that brings me back to my original question, which was, is he better just on this role off the bench? And, and, and I think you guys kind of seem to be maybe aligning with my way of thinking, where I think he's an impact player, which is a shame for him in a way, because I'm sure he would love to be starting games. But I think if you bring him on in the last 20 minutes to pick holes in the defence or to curl in a fairly a free kick, that's, that's what we want him to be doing. You know what, um, you know what this bit needs? It's, it needs some numbers. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Michael. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I had a little, had a little bit of a look. Um, did you? Because, oh, well done. Yes, I, I did. What well, the chances? Um, just because uh, I only kind of scratched the surface with it in, in terms of tweets over the weekend. But um, first of all, on the on the, on the kind of the, the, the free kicks and the strikes, um, as I posted over the weekend, only Chris Martin has scored more free kick goals for Norwich City this century. So Branch is now on four. Martin's on five. Um, and also, uh, so 10 of his 16 goals for Norwich City have been from outside the box. So he scored more goals from outside the box than Emmy or Todd have in total for Norwich, which <laughs> is quite amazing. I think I know it's an extra year. Um, and the other thing I thought I'd just take a quick look at was his, his kind of potency in front of goal. And, and I think this kind of touches on the, the article that you wrote last week about expected goals and, and Norwich's kind of slightly profligate start to this season and a little bit of last season as well. Well, well worth a look if you are a stats nerd like me, by the way. There's a lot um, of XG references. There's a lot of XG stuff. If you love XG, you will love Michael's article. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it is good. Um, and I just thought I'd had, because Vrancic obviously is, in, in terms of our creators in the team and the players we've had since the beginning of 1819. Uh, you've got Mario, obviously, uh, Stephenman, Buendia, Campwell and Hernandez. So I thought I'd have a little look at the number of shots they've all had since the beginning of our promotion season two and a half years ago. Rangers had the fewest, 65. Um, and you compare that to the likes of Hernandez, who's had 127. Buendia, who's had 120, nearly twice as many. And Rangers also scored the most goals, 13, compared to Stephenman, Buendia and Hernandez with nine and Campwell with seven. I mean, amazing as well that those four have not scored 10 between them in the <laughs> since then. Um, and then Actually, just, I bet damning. <laughs> a little bit damning as well, yeah. But Mario, that Mario giving us something that those don't. And then so just very, very quickly, my favourite one of these, um, his, his record in the championship is quite amazing. So we played Birmingham in, at, at home in January in that 2018-19 season. Um, and taking away the Premier League, Mario's had only had five starts in the championship since then and scored eight goals in that time. And then this is my favourite one of all. In terms of goals per minute in the championship, since the beginning of that promotion season, uh, Mario scored 12 goals um, with uh, the goals coming every 131 minutes of wow. playing time. And Timu Puki uh, obviously has scored more goals, 31 at 141 minutes per goal. That's crazy. So, so Mario's goal scoring record in the championship, when you think of how good Timu's been, Mario wow. scores more goals per minute than... What a what a stat! Wow, that's remarkable. Wow. And I think I that, that I mean, I bet. I mean, and that that factors into the fact that I know I was going through a similar sort of um, shot and and shot conversion rates um, at the end of last season, and how how high Mario did. I mean, his impact for such minimum time in terms of goals scoring and creating them at the end of that season were remarkable. Um, but also when I was doing my piece on Lucas Rupp early in the season and, and sort of picking up on, on his way forward and what he was doing, I had to kind of ignore it. But top of every every list, mainly because he hadn't even played a full 90 minutes, so it was a little bit skewed, but top of every list in terms of um, every good thing you could do as a midfielder was Mario Vrancic. And it's like, and it, it is remarkable. I, 
he didn't play enough games, I think, to get an automatic um, increase on his contract when Norwich got promoted, which is why they had to give him a new contract. I think that's uh, something that might have wow. come out in one of my pieces. So, um, uh, which does kind of bring up the fact that um, he is out of contract this summer. And he did get asked that after the game. And it, there wasn't a lot he could say other than that he's happy here, but it, what can he do? He can't really, can't do much until someone comes along and offers him a new contract. And I have to say, yeah, will be interesting if they do because he's he's at an age where Norwich will and Daniel Farker will probably be looking at it and going mm. yeah. and it depends maybe how other how other players in midfield kick on from here Stu I think the the only thing that I would say is if I'm really interested to hear about the the varying categories um, that you would look for in a midfield of that those stats and the only thing that comes to my head is the old lies damn lies and statistics you know like <laughs> I mean what, what is the reason that you wouldn't include them in the team but I mean, they'll obviously have a plan. I think the nature of the way that we operate as a football club now is that we always have a plan in terms of moving forward, the more holistic kind of approach. And probably the ideal would be to make sure that we had a young player coming through that could perhaps do some of the things that Mario can do and then not need to necessarily renew his contract. Because I know that Stuart Weber feels, given the fee we paid, etc., etc., we've had really, really good value out of him, even if he does leave in a free, given, given what he's offered for the football club in terms of goals, in terms of appearances, all of that. However, when you do look at what Mario offers, it's something that we don't have in the team other than with him. It's a bit like when Robert Snodgrass was at Norwich City, you felt any free kick in a game he was playing, that that left foot could do something with it. Or at least maybe maybe that was me. Maybe it's a bit of a pro Scottish bias. I don't know. But I thought Snoddy was brilliant on the set pieces. Um, and with Vrancic, he has that sort of ability. Also, just on the Snoddy point, could that maybe be the position that Vrancic, obviously, Emmy's probably first pick for the sort of wide and the right slot. Um, but is that maybe where they see him? If, if maybe not as natural a 10, perhaps cutting in from that right-hand side, if it's going to be as part of the attacking three. I think it's going to be really interesting overall just to see how much Mario Vrancic gets used this season, uh, when and how. So I think there's a few different aspects there that you can kind of throw into the mix and say, worth watching moving forward. And all of that is going to contribute to whether he gets a new deal. Just a final point I wanted to make on Mario. I mean, it was interesting talking to him about his free kicks and how much he practices. Um, I think he takes 20 the day before a game, basically. And he posted an Instagram video of him just taking free kicks. And I, I always remember the one after Sheffield Wednesday. What was the game after Sheffield Wednesday? I think it was Stoke away, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, they went there. He took four free kicks from the same position at the end of his warm-up. And they all were miles off target. <laughs> and I just think the one thing you can always say about Mario Vrancic I don't think there's anyone else you'd rather take a free kick in the 90th minute that you know something could happen from it because the guy just is so... He's, on, he's on, on that score, steel. that score, it, it reminds me of Shinsuke Nakamura where your team could get a penalty and it's almost less of an opportunity than if he gets a free kick outside the box. And that is the nature of it. Especially when you look at Norwich City, barring sort of recent sort of um, instances. I mean, penalty kicks have not been great for us um, over the last few years. So on that basis, I think there's a good argument to see it as a bit like Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Okay, uh, it's time to move on to the things we are not going to talk about. These are the things that have happened. They deserve acknowledgement, but we are not going to be here for very long. Uh, such as, and I want us all to throw them all in. It's not going to be my list. Let's all just uh, chip in with anything you want to, to not talk about. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the defending against Wickham. Um, although, I, I mean, I'll be honest, it looked like it was going to be about 8-0 after the first seven minutes. So I felt complacent. So I would probably forgive the players if they were slightly, to be honest. Well, what, what I'm not going to talk about is the immediate taking of the foot off the gas uh, that, that sort of happened because it just looked like they thought, oh, you know what, we're going to coast this. Uh, and I, I don't think you can do that at any point if you, if you want to be trying to win promotion. What was Hanley looking at when that ball kind of was running through? I, I kind of took the a championship look trophy. Yeah, sort of <laughs> honing into view. Uh, yeah, it was just a strange one. Un- unlike him to make that kind of mistake as well. Yeah, to uh, be, and he was in the team of the week for the championship. But we're not going to talk about that. No. Another thing we're not going to talk about is uh, Sebastian Soto volleys. Um, oh, that was a good goal, though. Yeah, I don't know if anyone saw that goal for Telstar, yeah. but it was an absolute dollion of a hit, and. Um, Given when you look at our sort of shots on target ratio to shots attempted so far this season, perhaps we could be doing with uh, that sort of spearhead. <laughs> wow, well, he certainly impressed everyone at Norwich. I know that much. Um, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm being harsh when they win. I was quite harsh on them on Saturday. I didn't think they were particularly good. And I thought I tweeted that they won when they were rubbish, which I know they weren't rubbish, rubbish. They did keep going in the second half, but... Some people seem to take exception to that. But, I, you know, I have high expectations. I mean, they still were. It's like nine points in a week. Don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely ecstatic. Yeah, and just to throw it, just to throw another one at you, that it's the first time they've won three games in a row, scoring in the 85th minute or later since 1999. So that's, I mean, I, I think that just, that just points to the fact that we are... We're just keeping going. It doesn't. It almost doesn't matter about the performance if you can keep grinding the wins out. And this, the last seven days or the last nine days as we are now, was all about just getting the points on the board. And now we've got better opposition. That's when we need to step it up. I mean, Daniel Farker yeah, wouldn't I'd... say the performances don't matter, but I get your point. <laughs> no, 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 totally. Um, what one thing that is not worth talking about either is the old cliche that it doesn't matter about how you get the points, just that you get them. Uh, but I think there is a lot to be said for the fact that. It shouldn't be as hard as we've been making it against teams of the, the, the quality here. But I think it's also worth considering the, the different types of challenge that are going to present themselves against teams that might open up a bit more against us. So in a way, maybe these wins were, were, were even more important when you consider the type of teams we were playing. Also, they, they played well against Birmingham. I thought. I know that's, yeah. that's really well. Against, uh, well, one of the things I wasn't going to talk about was Birmingham being negative. Because, I mean, Adam Clayton chipping up with about 12 minutes to go saying, come on, lads, we can nick one here. <laughs> I, I presume he wasn't. <laughs> and probably getting sent off. Yeah, <laughs> he was talking about red cards, probably. I was going to say, I think I might talk Karanka in, in the background crying, but it, or it might be my little boy, I'm not sure. Um, uh, uh, so what else do I want to Well, Adam Eder being sent off. I mean, I don't really want to talk about that. It was a bit stupid. I can kind of feel for him because his legs were being held. Yeah. Uh, Norwich haven't appealed it, so it is what it is. He'll miss the next three games. Um, just like Norwich haven't appealed the uh, charge against failure to control their players or whatever it was against Rotherham. Um, but that doesn't really worth um, any talking about. Anything else? Anything else uh, you don't want I, to talk about? I, well, I quickly didn't want to talk about the... I mean, uh, again, sorry to bore you with numbers. I really am on a roll. This, this I is love it. Great. That's why I'm here. Um, 
I think, well, I was just looking at the share of possession that we had, and we had 75.9% against Wickham, which uh, I, I can't give a, an exact number, but in terms of the numbers I've got, that's the highest we've ever had. Um, and wow. I think the way football was, I don't think teams used to have 75.9% possession before the 90s, 80s, whatever. So I, I would say with a certain amount of confidence, that's the most possession we've ever had. So that leads me to how many passes do you think Wickham completed in the game on Saturday? Let's have a, let's have a uh, well, I think 97. 97, or oh, completed. Well, I th- oh, yeah, Matt, I've got, I'm probably going to get this wrong now. I thought Birmingham were on about 400. So I'm guessing Wickham maybe 300. Well, Stu actually is very, very close. But even he was too high. It was 89 passes they completed. That's wow. less than one a minute. And Lucas Rupp actually completed... 107 on Tuesday against Birmingham. Wow. So it's like unbelievably low numbers. But um, again, you can't, I, I mean, it's the worst cliche in the world, but you can only beat what's put in front of you. So. This is true. This is true. Exactly. Um, well, I think we've talked about that quite enough. Uh, what we won't talk about, although I will wish Tim closer um, um, well, because I think he's tested positive for coronavirus and he is. Uh, is uh, isolating, um, but um, I'm sure he'll be back and, and playing soon. And um, of course, two week well, the last podcast, I think I highlighted how well Ipswich were doing in League One and the fact I didn't want to talk about that. So um, obviously now their form has dropped off a cliff completely. Uh, I also don't want to talk about that. Okay, centrefold time. Uh, two bits this week, uh, if, if I may. At the Wickham game, I was sat with the fans, Norwich fans. They were at the Wickham game. Yeah, they were at the Wickham game inside a lounge in a stand in explicitly in a lounge where they could not see the pitch because in terms of a behind closed door fixture you ain't getting your safety certificate if you invite 100 fans in and they can see the pitch that's not how it works um this is obviously a way of Norwich trying to get some revenue from home and away games obviously it's less of an issue if it's an away game because the game isn't physically taking place in the same place but um this time it was, and I was, I was in with them. I've written the piece. You can read that as well as everything else, of course, over on The Athletic. If you haven't subscribed yet, you do have one uh, final chance to sign up for uh, just £1 per month for a limited time. Uh, if you've been umming and ahhing over it, this is your last shot at our best ever deal. Uh, just visit theathletic.com forward slash UK subscribe. Uh, um, my piece from the weekend was on, was on that scenario where I have to say it was lovely being somewhere with a hundred people who were reacting to what was going on. And it's a similar, it's almost not about the numbers anymore. Cause it was the same with the Preston pilot that obviously came and went just a thousand fans inside Carrow road where I was just thinking, well, this is just ridiculous. It's not gonna make any difference at all. It made such a difference. And even Tim Krull mentioned the accountability that the players on the pitch have just from some people interacting. I thought it was a fantastic point, which has taken eight months for someone to really, you know, nail. Um, so this was slightly different because Mario Vrancic was sort of after the game talking about how no one could celebrate his goal with him. And I was literally a few yards away in a room where a hundred people were celebrating it and they were celebrating it well, which was great to see. And I got, a, I bought my own pie and chips. Whereas if I'd been working, I wouldn't have been allowed any food. So little things like that are a bit like, well, what, what is this all about? <laughs> what, what? And, and as Lynn, who I spoke to said, um, Steve, how can it be safer being in a ground in a lounge inside rather than being sat outside in a in an open air stand search me i don't know you haven't got an answer i'm, to that. <laughs> I'm scratching my head the same as everyone else i think i mean i don't know what you you know what comprises what you need to do to stick off the safety certificate or or why that's important or why it's safer having people uh, behind a curtain than it is in a stand but um i'm sure 
I'm sure there are good reasons for it. I, I just don't know them. I mean, uh, it, it strikes me that it, it must have been a nice atmosphere to be in. I know you've said that. I, I watched the video. Um, was it Dan Hannan? I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, Dave, Dave Hannan. Um, Dave Hannan, sorry. He, he sorry, colleague, Dave. indeed, That's which was right. nice. It was nice sitting next to him as well on, um, during the game. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it was. And sorry, Dave, for getting your name on. Um, but yeah, it, it, I actually got a bit of a, you know, sort of spine tingle with the, like, just, just seeing 100 Norwich City fans together celebrating that goal. I just thought, I haven't seen anything like that in ages. And it must have been great just to be part of that atmosphere. It was, although, I mean, I was working. So my initial thought was, I've got a tweet goal. But um, so it's a little <laughs> bit different. But I, I mean, it was the human element, I think, Stu, that got me from from speaking to the guys beforehand, before they went in to those inside. And it's about being in the same position with, um, in the same place as other people watching the game and being able to engage with them about the game and just reacting, like just the really little things oh. that were taking place. No, do, do you know what it's a bit like? It's essentially like uh, the difference between watching football in the stands and watching football down the pub, um, which is something else that's kind of a thing in the past. It seems like we've kind of, I mean, behind closed curtains football. Like, who, who thought that would ever be a thing? But there you are. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think the idea of having people together who have that sort of shared, it's almost that tribalistic kind of vitriolic passion for your team. And to feel that in a convivial situation where you've got different bodies round about you, as well as the aspect that you can just chat about the game, see whose performances you're enjoying, who's frustrating you, all of that stuff. Not necessarily with people you know either, with people that, that you don't know, but it's always part of the funny. Uh, when, when you go to a football game, um, Spurs away, was, was, was always the first one that sort of springs to mind last season. I was sitting with a guy that I know on my right-hand side and a guy that I didn't on my left. And that guy on the left, we now, I, I now sort of speak to quite sort of on, on Twitter and, and various sort of things regularly just to share with about the game. So having that ability to engage with other fans, to get to know our fans and all of that side of it, it's the element that's been missing from football. And in terms of what, what the authorities are kind of doing, it's almost as if they don't really know well, I mean, the the thing is that if a game is labelled behind closed doors, there's not a, not a lot anyone can really do until people stop labelling games behind closed doors. So there's certainly a, an element outside of Norwich's control, but Norwich will certainly be um, emphasising the fact that they would quite like supporters back in, and I don't think they'll be the only club doing it. Um, so read the piece anyway. Um, it was a great experience, although slightly bizarre. Uh, and I got a pie, or I bought a pie. I should just re-emphasise that. Um, uh, the second part of... Uh, centrefold i wanted to mention is that after the birmingham victory i did get a few minutes to chat with grant hanley so i thought that you um, would like to listen to that right now how are you feeling condition wise all good how do i look hey you're good good <laughs> good no, i, I feel, don't know how you feel though <laughs> no i feel good i feel good you know it's um i've said before previous um injuries to the, the the medical team sports science team are first class here and um you know i had no doubt some head stepping on the pitch on saturday that i was ready to go um you know i feel like i've been ready for you know, a couple of weeks now, so um, not physically good. It's just um, there's a big difference between training and getting on in a big pitch. So uh, it's just a bit sharpening up in distances and um, you know stuff like that, all the little things that you sort of forget about. But no, it's good to be out there and I'm physically feeling good. And I guess you have to ignore the fact that it's so many games in such a short space of time, like for the rest of the year, pretty much, isn't it? No, I think so. But you know, for me personally, it's you've got to look at the positive side of that and think. You know, if we get a run in the team, you can sort of play, you know, five or six games in a, in a few weeks, which is, you know, which is good in terms of, um, you know, getting myself back to fitness and 
getting sort of match sharpness back and you know as well it's when you've got that many games you can rack up a few points pretty quickly as well so um, you know I think you've got to look at the positives and you know the, the championship's always hard but you know it seems like it's got a little bit more demanding but um, you know the lads are up for it and you know we'll keep going Is it, uh, What's it been like with Ben? Because that's the first time you've played with him twice obviously and... No really good I mean obviously Ben's you know top top centre half um, and you know it's, it's great to play with um, similar to myself in terms of very vocal and organising and um, you know, and, and a great lad as well. Um, and I've definitely you know enjoyed that last couple of games. It's good fun being able to hear everything you can say. <laughs> yeah. By the way, <laughs> the microphones have got bleepers on them. <laughs> uh, can I just like, I mean, just one about last season because that must. Uh, can you put into words how hard that would have been being out for that period and you know everything sort of um, um, sort of unfolding in front of you? Yeah, no, it was tough. I mean, you know, I don't want. Sob story for people to feel sorry for us, um, you know, because there was you know, a lot of worse things going on um, yeah. at that time. But you know, for me personally, it was a bit of a sickener because you know I felt like I was having my sort of best run of games, yeah. and you know, in a while, finally getting back to sort of full fitness and full match sharpness. And you know, I was feeling good, I was feeling confident. Um, you know, obviously, break came at the wrong time for us, and then getting injured came at the wrong time for us. Where you know, we'd already had a lot of injuries in that position. Um, and you know, to be in the sidelines when you know we've got to be helping, it's it's tough. Uh, everyone okay in terms of? Because was your wife when we spoke to you at the start of lockdown? Was your wife expecting her? Expecting her, little right? girl, no. twelve weeks old, just over twelve weeks old. How is it? All good. good? All good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Good. Much sleep. To be fair, Touch would have been lucky. She's a great sleeper. And obviously, my message is first class. She does a lot to help us. Got to say that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Okay, uh, this is our new section then to round off the podcast. This is just like fantasy football. Uh, we are recording as we usually do on a Monday, which means we've got a game tomorrow night at Brentford and then another at Bristol City on Saturday before we return next week. Uh, so given that this podcast will go live and then football will be happening, happening quite quickly, uh, this is the point where we paint a picture for you for the forthcoming seven days and uh, let you laugh at it if the events have uh, already played out with the valuable gift of hindsight. Um, so, yeah, two big games coming up. Um, obviously, we don't just want to know about the scores, gents, but um, are, there, are there things you're willing to say are definitely going to happen, Steve? Definitely going to happen. Um, <laughs> uh, I, think, I, think we'll play, I think we will play better. That's what's going to happen. I, it's going to go two ways, right? We, we continue playing the way that we have against Wickham and Rotherham and don't get the result because we are against better opposition. Or we step it up and we start to look like a real promotion contender. Um, I'm going to go for the latter 
and I will also go for a more concrete prediction. I think having having had a bit of a dig at our attacking players and their lack of goals, I'm going to say that I'm going to go for a Todd goal. Todd will Ooh. score by the time this pod goes out. We've got two games. Oh, so Todd will score. Todd, Todd Campbell goal incoming. Stu? Mm-hmm. Mario Vrancic will start neither game nor will he score another free kick. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that to be negative. I just think like we've we've, we've had a fill of that for a little while. Um, <laughs> well, we've, we've done the pod now, so yeah, it's fine. I also think we're going to get at least four points from the two games, and Ooh. actually could be a mix. Four points, I love it. Um, I'll take that most definitely. Uh, Mario Vrancic, the earliest he's come on this season. Anyone know off the top of their head? Not one that I've got. I'm afraid. It was, uh, it was at Wickham. It was the game against Wickham, um, which was um, 20, 22 minutes to go. Well, 22 minutes from the end. Um, not that I've read it off Transfer Market, but I can't remember. What would that be? That would be 68. 68. <laughs> yeah. How did he make it through those last 22? His leg's uh, all right. I know, I know, right? Um, he's, he's also come on on 21 minutes to go twice and 10 minutes to go twice. So um, a little bit of a pattern there. Um, so will he get more than 22 minutes? That's the question for, for this week. Yeah. On, just on that note, I'm just thinking, um, is it just me or is Daniel Farker trying to influence games a bit earlier than he once upon a time might have done? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's actually been an objective goal this season. Um, but I mean, and and in fairness, the results are that the substitutes are, uh, are contributing more, aren't they? So um, so uh, there we go. But um, I think we can save that save that for a later podcast. I reckon. Um, well, I mean, Ivan Tony's going to score, isn't he? That's like what he does all the time. No, no, no. he's not. No, he's not going to no, score. He's not, he's not going to score against us. Not on Tuesday. I love it. The Premier League defence um, will keep him out. The, the Bristol City one's interesting. I was commentating one of their games uh, in the week just past, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with their defence because there was a big mistake from Taylor Moore, which contributed to the winning goal for Middlesbrough in that game, which was their, their first defeat of the season in the league. So uh, they, they had Thomas Callas on the on the bench, who's, who's a classy operator at this level. So I would expect them to rejig sort of their defence ahead of, ahead of playing us. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they do in that sort of front going forward. But I think they're beatable. I think we're a better team than them. Well, Br- Bristol City made a fast start and they're slowing down. So, you know, he says. <laughs> and then Reading keep confounding everyone. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's amazing how quickly these games are coming along and just how differently uh, the picture is shaping now before our eyes. Um, but we're definitely not making scoring predictions. You sound like you're angling for one. No, no, no. <laughs> I always love it. But... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going it. No, no against Brentford. Three uh, one against Bristol City tonight. Clean sheet. That's the way. Well, I know. I know. I'm down to be on next week, so I'm. Uh, I'm not going to be drawn. You know, just sit firmly on the fence, just in case anyone mentions it. Hey, it's it's <laughs> it's always slightly comfy on the fence. Uh, well, in that case, I think that's time for us. Um, on the ball, we'll be. We'll be <laughs> On the ball, we'll be with you every step of the way this season. So make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The podcast is available free for everyone on your usual podcast player and ad free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app. If you like what we're doing, leave a review and a rating and please spread the word of our efforts across the Norwich City world. If you'd like to get in touch, ask a question or propose a topic for discussion, sling me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. In the meantime, a big thank you to you, Steve. Here's Michael. Thank you very much, Stu. Nice to see you. Uh, good to see you too, mate. And thanks, Steve, for some cracking numbers. Cracking numbers. <laughs> <laughs>
we are back again uh, next week for another On The Ball in Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. And that's a wrap. We are done. How about that? Steve, yeah. happy? Some good numbers oh, yeah. on that one. Always happy. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, f- I feel like I've, you know, that's, there, there haven't been many lately, so I just thought I'd let it all out in, in one go. It's beautiful. Uh, was it, was it the, the three sort of thing just spurred you on, gave you that extra jolt of encouragement to, to actually do your job? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it, first of all, it's, it's not my job. No, no one's saying to do this. <laughs> true. This is and the true. listeners, the listeners should know that. Um, it's well, all and, and also, um, believe it or not, I actually, I actually had other things to do over the weekend, which was quite a rarity for me. So the actual looking into the stats bit did, didn't occur. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll do the prep for the podcast instead, and then you know, the longer you take looking at these things, the more there is. So um, this is it. Oh, spoken like a true buffer, I love a it. True anorak of numbers in the game. Uh, Stu, your first wit's end. I'm weird, am I? What's happening? Well, this is it. It's a strange place. Um, but welcome to Wits End. And I say that to all our Twitterkers as well. Good good day, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, if you are wondering what's going on, <laughs> a bit like Stuart at the moment, uh, listen to uh, the On The Board podcast number 42, which went live on September the 8th. It's all explained there. You can email us, twitterkers at iCloud.com. That is Twitter, K-E-R-S at iCloud.com. Or you can always use the hashtag, which is hashtag Twitter, because Twitter, K-E-R-S, on Twitter. Uh, just don't explain what you're referring to, but obviously explain what you're saying. Although it does still confuse me when one flashes up and there's a sentence and then hashtag Twitter, because I'm like, oh, I totally what does that get refer it, to? Right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, right? See, I, I sort of had a backlog of these podcasts that I wanted to listen to before coming on today. And uh, before I'd done that, I'd, I'd sort of heard about the what I thought was pronounced Twitterkers, Thing, but it turns out it's Twitterkers, and now that it's called Wits End, it's all making sense. But I was like, why? Why are they calling it Twitterkers? Like when I saw, I saw the word written, Twitterkers, Twitterkers, um, showing unbelievable Twitterkers. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know, like, but now now it all makes sense. And Stephen Quicker was such a legend, so uh, why, not, why not name a segment after him? Definitely one of the most underrated Norwich City players in the last ten years, I think, especially or twenty, especially in midfield. Then. What a player in the middle of the park, eh? Ouch. Um, I'll tell you what, on this week, what we got? We've got um, at Emmy Other Business, um, one of our tribute uh, Twitter acts, um, doing a sterling job, by the way. Loads of Alan Partridge gifts there, so it's well worth having a look um, just, to, uh, just to go through those. And I should mention, I did also post the pictures that I promised I would of the greatest ever Norwich City moustaches um, oh. at halftime in the Birmingham game. I did as I promised for the first time in three weeks. So make sure you catch all those. They seem to go down there quite well. Um, it did also include Richard Hammond getting back in touch uh, off of Twitter. He's officially officially denied being the one from Top Gear, <laughs> but he tweeted, um, sadly not the hamster, but certainly a canary. And a- oh, that's a good line. I must say, like I was hoping the stink might crop up and what he was going to reply, but he's actually, he's done even better. He's just nailed it. So Richard Hammond is the most famous person that we have so far. Yeah. Can you that's, beat that? That's it. And then if you're a real celebrity listening to this, get in touch and we'll just say how cool it is you live, the fact you listen. But better if you're, you've just got a name share. Yeah, I was going to say, we're probably less interested in real celebrities. <laughs> we, 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 need, we need just the name-alikes here. That's what we're after. Um, 
we did have another Richard get involved, Richard 242. Um, you're a bit, you're too short in your formation there, Richard. Um, one, <laughs> wonderful, um, a wonderful picture of Dave Stringer and Jeffrey Watling. I had to deduce, but I think it was uh, 1972 when Norwich got promoted to the top flight for the first time because Dave Stringer is holding the uh, Barry Butler Memorial Trophy after being named player of the season. That's what I've assumed anyway. So they certainly look happy enough to have been awarded. It's a wonderful picture. And of course, Dave Stringer is sporting a wonderful moustache right up there with the best Norwich City moustaches of all time, I'm sure. Uh, Georgie Wonders also got in touch. Thanks, Georgie. And thanks, Richard, I should say. And thanks, Richard Hammond, obviously, for sparing some time. Um, uh, but Georgie Wonders also uh, got in asking, uh, did Mike Phelan have a moustache while at Norwich? And then finding a panini sticker of him, I think, from his time at Norwich with a wonderful moustache. Yeah. So, yes, I think that picture, I will probably um, retweet your tweet at some point, George, will be my plan, I think. Um, so we make sure that... Um, you know, your the, the picture is is shared far far and wide. But if not, dig out uh, Georgie Wonder's picture of uh, Mike Phelan with a with a moustache. So I mean, he's probably um, still hoping to be Norwich manager one day. Mike, bless him. Stu, <laughs> uh, you had a you had a pretty impressive handlebar moustache, didn't you, over uh, over lockdown? I did, uh, and it wasn't like lockdown that inspired me to do it. It was just boredom. I shaved my head and started shaving my face, and I got as far as the moustache. I left the moustache to the end because I wanted to see what it looked like, and I thought, do you know what? This looks absolutely ridiculous. I'm sticking with it um, on that basis. And aye, so that was what I rocked for a while, but I'm back to my kind of standard hobo look now. <laughs> happy. I've, uh, I've, tried to, uh, I've tried to pull off the odd moustache, but... Um... Not a fan of not having the beard bit. <laughs> so, what, about, uh, what about a hobo look, Michael? Your hair's always too good to look like a hobo. I, I never make any effort with mine. I mean, my beard is always fairly hobo, I'd have said. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think my hair, my hair's just been styled to, to the point of it can't move generally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're talking to a man who's got to do two 10-minute videos a week at the moment, you know, after, after the game. You can't I know. Be looking uh, like a hobo. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work, two 10-minute videos a week. I don't know how I'm, how I'm really surviving, but you know, I'll, I'll keep soldiering on. <laughs> um, what else do we have in this week? Um, oh, yeah, don't or do meet your Norwich City heroes. Uh, Matt Ambrose got in touch um, on Twitter again, the boy Ambrose. Met Wessie at the petrol station, chatting to him about Halty after seeing him in the Chinese. Was brilliant. Hashtag Twitterkers. I mean, that, I've got to say, actually probably raises more questions than it answers. So, I mean, which petrol station, for starters? I mean, did you, did you all go for a Chinese? And I want to know how that conversation went. That, do you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, what does Wes Fullerhan order for a Chinese takeaway? Like, what's, he, what's his go-to order? Like, Steve Sanders knows mine, but we're going to keep that as a, a well, well sort of wrapped secret because I don't, I don't want that to be public knowledge. Probably <laughs> sweet and sour chicken balls. Oh, hi, he's yeah. close, by the way, isn't he? Um, wrong sauce. I substitute the sauce. Surely, surely he just orders whatever's number 14 on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it again. Nailed it again. Uh, have you ever met your um, or, or uh, a good or bad experience of a Norwich City hero, um, Stu, or a, maybe a football hero in general? Uh, I've met my Norwich City hero at a press conference with you in the sense that it was Johnny Housen, which also can answer the shot question. Um, but that's because I just loved commentating in these games. I did, yeah, but we didn't mean to do. Oh, I didn't mean to do that to rumble it. But yeah, you, so yeah, because we wanted to know your who you'd have on the back of your Norwich City shirt. Aye, definitely Johnny Housen. Mm, possibly uh, so. Not, 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 not even a question for me uh, in that re- regard. But I think, I think in terms of my Norwich City hero, he would, he would probably be it. 
the one that I would like to meet, but I've not yet, is James McFadden, for obvious reasons. Um, did you do the comms for the club on, um, his, on Johnny Housen's volley against Forrest? I did indeed. Oh, what a goal. Few times they put the video out with the comms, and there's also been versions without. So I, I don't know what they did wrong, other than bust people's eardrums. But there we go. Uh, well, it's a it's a magic moment. I think. Um, well done for getting to commentate on that, that one. That was what a game that was, mate. That's my favourite Norwich City game that I've commented on. Funnily enough, right, it's the other game against Forest that season that everyone always refers to with the Graham Dorans thing, right? But that game, the home one, five one. It was just before or after my birthday. Um, in the February and I can remember being outside after with you and Darren Eady as well talking about it and I said the Johnny Harrison goal fit to Grace any arena but then you had the Wes goal in that game as well which was an mm. maybe Wes's best goal for, for City probably was mm, it was up there there was uh, another yeah. wasn't there another one as well I think Alex Pritchard's goal which Pritchard might be scored the belter as well it was, so, it was ridiculous in fact I no, think that was all... amazing like Pritchard scored two goals in that game, I think, and they all got I'm a bit not, overshadowed. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say his name, though, because people hated the way I pronounced it. So Alex Narrows uh, scored a wonderful <laughs> goal in that game. So go on, just give us it once, Alex. Right, so, right, right, right. I'll explain it again then. Pritchard. We'd have to explain right? it. <laughs> Pritchard, right? Now, the D sound I pronounced, because I'm a commentator on this, about the assonance of the word, right? So people expect me to say Pritchard, right? Just soft. But Pritchard with a hard D and they thought it sounded like an S so like people started and I go at me but you're never going to please all the people all the time I mean I feel that there is probably an avenue of of strangely pronounced Norwich City names but um, in someone of my position I feel like I'm not going to open up that kind of kind of worms because we don't play Preston for another few months and I think we started off with Alec Neal and I don't want to go back there so if you can get Shemi Prohetta or whatever it is right then uh, everything else is a pass Chemischlaf Plaheta? Is that, is that right? Well, I'd go Poir. Chemischlaf Plaheta. You can call him Shemek. Call him Shemek if you wish. Shem. Shem. Aye. PP, Shem. as I think he is effect- effectively known at Norwich um, in, in the squad. <laughs> PP. Um, so there we go. Uh, maybe the, I, I, I took that as being PP, as in after Roadrunner. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> uh, there we go. Um, unofficial Twitter accounts from ourselves this week um, at NCFC Twitterkers. Get following them as well. Um, they're one of our tribute acts, although they have spelt it incorrectly because they can't spell it with Twitter. Um, you'll, if you listen to Old Wits End, you'll know that. Uh, they tweeted this week, um, or tweeted even, can someone let Rob Newman know that we do know what he means? Which I think is picking up on for anyone who watches uh, the NR1 stuff. Rob Newman does like to throw in a know what I mean a lot. But you know what? I, that, that puts a smile on my face because I love Rob Newman and he's such a brilliant bloke. And yeah. Hey, um, just a quick one on that, actually. Uh, don't meet your heroes, do meet your heroes. Um, I once went on a stag do with uh, Rob Newman um, wow. in Chelmsford. And he was a really nice guy. And my, yeah. my yeah, really nice bloke. And my friend, it was, um, he knew, it was, my friend knew him through cricket. I had another friend who was just, I think, progressively got drunker through the night and just has a series of photos on his phone of him looking hammered next to Rob Newman. So many questions. Wow. So many questions. What yeah, is Rob Newman's favourite drink? Does he play cricket? What position does he play? So much I want to know. Uh, I feel like it was that long ago that I don't have the answers. The the, whole, the memory of the whole night is a little bit hazy. Um, all I know is that I met him. I can I can tell you what I I I think Rob Newman would be a good bloke to have on a stag night. I can imagine him being um, good yes. company. Um, I think on that 
a bombshell. Um, all I wanted to do was flag up the fact that twitterkers.co.uk is again a website that has been set up in our behalf. It looks amazing. They've redone it all. Yeah. It's it nuts. looks fantastic. Oh, really? Yeah, I looked at it today. It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I'm not going to say it's better than the than the podcast itself, but it is not far off. It's really, really good. Everyone should go and have a look at that. I think it's brilliant. It's yeah. it's, it's on a par with the athletic website at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say right? So, like, obviously, it's Twitterkers. Can we call the operators of the Twitterkers website Twitterkers? Like, is that how we're going to appropriate that term now? No, 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 no. no. Twitter is going in the bin. (laughs) I've never heard it before, and I hope I never hear it again. (laughs) That's just going to make me persist all the more, mate. I know. know. Um, I've got a brilliant email, but we haven't got the time, so I'm not going to mention it this week. But um, we will mention it at some point, definitely, because I've got some lovely stories from it. So, um, but I think that's it. Um, Any other business from anyone? Um, I just want to quickly know what is the band behind over your left shoulder, Michael? This is going to mean nothing to anyone. What? What's who? Who's that? Uh, it's Pink Floyd. Oh, it's Pink um, re- Floyd. Recording "Dark Side of the Moon" in 1973. Oh, okay, I approve. I approve. Best band, best band of all time. Very good. No. Probably. No. We can have that debate as well, but maybe that's no. for the different podcast. No. no. <laughs> did you have any other business, Sir Stu, apart from band uh, rankings? Buendia. Today is going to be a good day. No, I'm going to apologise a bit like Ben last week for my squeaky chair that you can probably hear and my microphone. Can I went bust in the middle of that? So if the sound's been a bit fluctuaty, then I apologise. It's like but, the ball that burst, didn't it? They actually burst a ball at Carrow Road on on Saturday. Which that was a, that was an allegory for this podcast appearance for me. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think in that case, I think we're done. Um, Stu, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I, I've had a great time and it's good to be in, in Whitsend, driving you to your Whitsend. <laughs> um, Steve, you're, you're hosting the next few, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm glad you saved it until the end because, uh, <laughs> yeah, otherwise people might be like, oh, we'll, we'll just skip that one then. Oh, yeah, I, no, for- um, I forgot. <laughs> I'll be I'll be in your chair next, not literally, obviously, but I'll be in my own non-squeaky chair. You can come around if you yeah. want. I'm on holiday. That'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it it will be it will be brilliant. Um, I'm sure it'll be grand, and I'll see you all on the other side. Um, but for tonight, thank you all for listening, as always, and um, that's a wrap. Mm-hmm.